Hello, hello, and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about the final chapters, 19 and 20, of The Titan's Curse. We made it. We did it. I'm so excited. I feel like this point, like these last two chapters of this book, and then the next two books is when I get like really pumped for this series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely the last two books, especially the last book is when I've read the most. But this is where we start setting up like a lot of morally gray decisions and like things coming together. And I'm just so pumped. We're moving away from like geared towards eight-year-olds to now like geared towards 10-year-olds, you know? You know, my, my my intelligence group at that point, so at least, you know, gearing for me. But at the same time, I just yeah. love the the fact that it's like, okay, it's getting a little bit more serious. And like, he's done enough world building in the last two books. It's like finally time he can shift the gaze to like, okay, now we're just talking about characters and how they're supposed to end up. Like, follow the story through. Yeah, now it's time to talk about moral ambiguity. <laughs> what does it mean to be a person with the free choice to choose? Great question. Percy yeah. Jackson answers it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we will have, I have a feeling we'll have opinions on whether he did that well or not. So That's true. Yeah. Um, in these last chapters, we basically kind of get another reinforcing punch in the face that the gods absolutely suck especially to heroes and then we set up a nice um overview for the next two books the last two books so that we get Mm -hmm. into the story because like nothing says you know we still have two books to go than a very interesting cliffhanger yes yes love when he ends on a cliffhanger all right well Let's dive into chapter 19, The Gods Vote How to Kill Us. This chapter opens with Percy and gang arriving on Olympus and heading straight for the throne room, which is very bold of them. There they find all 12 seats occupied, each god slash goddess in their godly form, 15 feet tall, these giant human beings. And on top of that, who else is there? It's Bessie and Grover. They've somehow wound up on Olympus instead of back at camp where they were supposed to go. I actually don't think it ever answers how they got there. I think they get to camp and then they just send them to Olympus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the gods are just like, nope, you're coming (laughs) here. Bessie is floating in the middle of the room in a sphere of water, and she's swimming, or he, he is swimming around all cute and happy, and Grover runs runs over to the others and gives them hugs, and then says, you have to convince them, they can't do it. Can't do what, you might be thinking? Well, the gods are debating just killing Bessie themselves. Which gave me a lot of questions, because isn't, like, the act of killing Bessie supposed to get rid of the god's power or is it is it that it has to be a mortal that kills the ophiotaurus i thought it was the the side that kills the ophiotaurus is given is granted powers to kill the gods so like the gods are taking a precautionary step to just kill the ophiotaurus so it's not an option to be killed but then what if a god killed the ophiotaurus and then decided they wanted to also kill the other gods could they do that See, they're seeing as there's, like, 
half a line about what the Ophitaurus is and how it even helped the gods, I don't think that anyone has an answer. Yeah, there's no clear answer. I'd like to know. That would be a fun story, like a a revenge god story. I don't know, Artemis goes ham and just kills the Ophiotaurus and then decides (laughs) to kill Zeus too. I'd support it. I know. I also just like love the idea that we just kind of roll with the punches. They're like, well, so someone was basically asking maybe their dad or something was telling them the story of how the gods created, suppose, in ancient Greek times. And they're like, Dad, but how did the Titans get the get the power to overthrow the gods or like fight the gods? And the dad like thinks about it for a moment. It's like, well, there's this like half cow, half dolphin, and <laughs> they killed it, and then they used its guts and they burnt it, and it gave them powers. And the kid was like, okay, that makes sense. Thumbs up. I really do think it's the same vibe of you just asking me what would you combine with a sea monster <laughs> and me being like sea bear and that's like that's how they come up with these monsters too. Oh, 100%. It's a lot it's very creative. I'll give them that. I know. At least it has like some diversity, some spice. Yeah, spice. Yeah. <laughs> Bessie is just a spicy dolphin. <laughs> a spicy cow maybe, if you will. So Artemis steps down from her throne and explains what the gods have decided so far. They are going to act against Kronos. And Artemis is also like the only one who bothers to explain what's going on to the demigods. I think the other gods wouldn't have really filled them in on anything. They don't care that they're there. Mm -hmm. The gods all suck. Um, Apollo and Artemis have decided to hunt down powerful monsters. Athena will check on the other titans to see if they've escaped, which I don't really know what that means. Like, what's she going to do if they did escape? It's fine. And at least she's doing something. Poseidon will unleash his fury on the Princess Andromeda ship, and that's all that we have. That's all they've pledged to. The other gods have very busy schedules, you know. <laughs> they can't They can't commit just yet to fighting Kronos. Um, and the undecided variables are the heroes, actually. Artemis wants to reward them for giving for doing Olympus a great service. She turns to the other gods to get all their opinions. And here is when we get our first description of most of the gods, like, all at once sitting together. And it's very fun. So on one side of the room, there's the boys. There's Zeus in his usual pinstriped suit. Poseidon looks like a suburban dad on vacation in Hawaii. Hephaestus with his deformed face and fire beard, which I think is such a cool detail. Like, his beard is on fire. <laughs> really think that Percy should have paid, like, described that a little more, because I'm intrigued. There's Hermes in his normal business suit, and he's on his phone, probably sending emails. Apollo has his shades on and headphones in and, like, isn't paying attention. Dionysus looks bored, and Ares is glaring at Percy while sharpening a knife, <laughs> which I love. And then on the ladies' side of the room, there's Hera with her silver hair and shimmering dress. Demeter is sitting on a throne of apple tree branches. There's gray-eyed Athena and then beautiful Aphrodite, who kind of makes Percy blush when he sees her again. Which is just adorable. And so here's where everyone stands. Uh, Apollo and Artemis are in favor of rewarding the heroes. They're the two that have, I mean, directly been working with these heroes throughout this whole book. At least not directly, in their weird indirect way. Um, And then Poseidon and Zeus as well want to reward the heroes, but that's more because they have personal stake in it, aka their spawn, Talia and Percy. I think that if it was any other demigods, they probably wouldn't care. Ares wants to be a dick to Percy and murder him, 
which honestly really like I was really confused for a while at this because like a few chapters ago when Percy met with Aphrodite and Ares, Ares was like, I wish I could kill you right now, but you're supposed to start a war and I love war. And now he's like, mm, I want to kill you now. It's confusing to me. I think he's just like looking at his smug face and just is very angry and not really yeah. rational. Or maybe he realized that Kronos is like actually a threat to him and not just like a fun a fun war for the mortals to take part in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly though, Athena agrees with Ares. Athena points out that Talia and Percy are both potentially children of the prophecy and thus dangerous to the gods, so they should kill them. Artemis says she won't stand for this. She says, if we destroy Olympus, if we destroy heroes who do us a great favor, there then we are no better than the Titans. If this is Olympian justice, I will have none of it. I love well, Artemis. Also, Athena's supposed to be wise. Like you cannot yeah. kill children of the prophecy and not have the prophecy just go to someone else. Now you're just murdering people. It makes no sense. Like it's such a I I I wonder if it's because she's like bitter about her daughter being friends with Percy, but even then, like Athena's supposed to be all wisdom and like no emotion, but clearly girl's got emotion to deal with. I think also maybe the way that Rick also, you know, presenting it to children is like wisdom needs also empathy and understanding in the emotional sense. It's not just facts and figures. And so he's like made Athena this like very cold hearted, very like quote unquote wise person. But like I would like to imagine Athena who is wise would at least have understanding that empathy is power and feelings and emotions are power. And then yes, use that. I don't know. But Athena, not being super wise here. <laughs> the gods are still undecided on the heroes. They can't decide on what to do. And so they turn to Bessie. They apparently all are in agreement about Bessie being killed. And Percy freaks out. He's like, save the spicy cow. <laughs> and he stands up to Zeus and says that controlling prophecies never works. Here's an example of Percy having the brain cell and being more wise than even Athena. And they shouldn't just kill an innocent creature. He says it would make them just as bad as Kronos. And oddly, this is what appeals to Zeus. Zeus is like, hmm, I do not want to be like my father. And Zeus does point out that Bessie poses a great risk because either child of the prophecy could kill him and overthrow Olympus. But Artemis has a solution for this, at least when it comes to Talia, as she's a potential child of the prophecy. Uh, Artemis takes this opportunity to mention the vacancy for Lieutenant of the Hunters and then pulls Zeus aside to ask him a question. And Percy has lost the brain cell and initially <laughs> is like, this is about Annabeth, even though like she pulls Zeus aside, whatever. Yeah. And Percy desperately says to Annabeth, Annabeth, don't. Um, but the joke's on Percy because it turns out other characters have conversations when he's not there, wild. wild. And Talia has actually been offered this position, and she accepts it. Talia joins the hunt, then and there. And this practically solidifies Percy as the hero of the prophecy, at least as far as we know, because Talia will now never turn 16. Talia says she finally has peace, which is kind of funny to me because she says this to Percy and it's kind of like, lol, sucks to suck, Percy. You'll never know peace. But also I'm like, good for Talia, you know, like good for her, but also <laughs> and it's, she kind of screwed Percy over a bit there. 
Talia goes to stand by Artemis, but they still haven't settled the issue of Bessie since Percy is still alive and aging. Percy begs his dad to keep Bessie under the sea somewhere or in an aquarium on Olympus. They agree to the latter, although Athena still clearly just wants to kill Percy. Alas, there's no Percy killing tonight. It is now party time. So now that they've decided not to kill any of the heroes and not to kill the spicy cow, Percy gets to experience- It's a spicy dolphin. (laughs) But I thought it was a spicy, but but it's more cow. Is it a spice? Is it a cow that has it's been spiced to become a dolphin, half dolphin, or oh. is it a dolphin that's been spiced to become okay. a cow? So the question is, it's not even which, a dolphin; it's an eel. It's what got is an eel body? A spicy eel. What is the what is the spice? Is the eel the spice, or is the cow the spice? You know, like if it's a spicy cow, that's because the eel is the spiciness. If it's a spicy eel, that's because the cow is the spiciness. It has to be a spicy a spicy eel because if it lives underwater, that means it's more dominantly eel. That's true. Okay, that just doesn't sound as fun to me. <laughs> spicy cow. As a spicy cow. <laughs> Fine. You can call it a sp- I'll give it we to can- you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're I really so appreciate welcome. it. Thank you. <laughs> Well, now Percy gets to experience an Olympian party. The nine muses all play music that sounds different to everyone based on their preference. Dionysus handles refreshments. Grover is trotting around yelling about Pan and drinking a lot of coffee, which is classic. And the gods keep congratulating Percy. Poseidon himself even makes an appearance and says, you won't let me down, I hope. And I'm like, wow, someone give him the dad of the year award. He's doing the most. Um, And then he also tells Percy that Luke is definitely alive still somehow, despite that fall. And Percy's like, how is he alive? And Poseidon's like, I just know. And then doesn't really give him much else. And then Percy gets to have an even more exciting chat. Future uh, mother-in-law Athena pops up and is basically like, I don't like you, you're dangerous, stay away from my daughter. And she tells Percy his fatal flaw also, she just gives that to him. (laughs) Which I thought was kind of ridiculous because Annabeth went through so much work to find out her own and she's just (laughs) like, I know your fatal flaw, it's personal loyalty. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. Annabeth literally had to, like, almost died listening to the sirens. And Anna yep. just, who's her mother, is just like, well, I'll give this free information to Percy. Yep. You know, like, Percy probably brought it up to Annabeth later, and Annabeth is like, she just told you? that. <laughs> that's all? And Percy's like, yeah. <laughs> There's no big deal. I don't know. Personal loyalty. That's not a flaw. <laughs> Anyway, that's his fatal flaw. And that's how Cronus has been messing with him, because like in the first book, Percy's mom was captured, then Grover, then Annabeth. Who's next? Don't know. She tells Percy that she doesn't approve of his relationship with Annabeth, glares at him, and then Annabeth conveniently interrupts, and Athena leaves the two of them alone. Once they're alone, Annabeth asks Percy what he'd been trying to tell her earlier when he thought she was going to join the hunt. And he doesn't specifically tell her that, but we have this nice little sweet moment, which I'm going to just read from the book because it's adorable. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, Annabeth said, what did you want to tell me earlier? The music was playing. People were dancing in the streets. I said, I, uh, was thinking we got interrupted at Westover Hall. And I think I owe you a dance. She smiled slowly. All right, seaweed brain. So I took her hand, and I don't know what everybody else heard, but to me it sounded like a slow dance. A little sad, but maybe a little hopeful, too. God, he's such a sap. 
<laughs> He's such a sap. All right, so I had a lot of notes, and I think I covered some of them. Let's see on this chapter. Uh, again, Athena should know better. You literally can't avoid a prophecy. It'll just manifest in other ways. Um, Artemis is the only bitch I respect in this house right now. <laughs> I also, oh, my thoughts on Talia becoming the lieutenant. I'm like, can you imagine being one of the hunters who has been there for thousands of years, wanting to become a lieutenant, like, I'll wait, I'll, maybe I'm next in line, but they're like, no, this new child is better than you. Because, I don't know, she's a child of Zeus? 100% it's because she's a child. It's nepotism at its best. Yeah. I mean, because Zoe's a child of Atlas. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine they were like, if you were able to somewhat wrangle Percy, I think that you deserve this whole job title? Yeah. 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 Again, I just think it's silly. Like, it's good for Talia, I guess. Like, good for her. But also, there's a lot of other... There are so many... Maybe she should, like, move up the ranks slowly. This seems unfair. Um, I also was like, I feel like I don't like that Talia becomes a hunter, but it's definitely for selfish reasons because I love her and Percy's dynamic Mm -hmm. because I think that Talia challenges Percy in a way that Annabeth doesn't because, I mean, Annabeth challenges him too, but in the way that she's really different from him and forces him to think differently, whereas with Talia, she challenges Percy more so because they're similar and, like, their more negative traits are similar. They're both hot-headed and short-tempered and impulsive and sometimes kind of controlling and want to be the main character. And I wish a character like that had been around, like, more frequently in Percy's life to challenge him. Because I think, like, it was a good, it was nice in this book to have Percy knock down a peg or two. And I just wish, I just wish she was around Percy more. Though I do think, like, for Talia outside of Percy's story, I guess it's a good move because, like, her dad hates it and I like to see Zeus Mm -hmm. upset. I, I think it's kind of a bummer because I think the main reason that Talia does join the Hunters, too, is because she doesn't want to be tempted again because she was so close to being tempted. And she kind of knows if given the opportunity and a little bit more work and time, maybe Luke could have convinced her to overthrow Olympus and become the child of prophecy. And yeah. instead of putting the work of like defining her morals and growing as a person and maybe working through her issues with her parents... She's just like, I'll join the hunter so I know that this can never affect me again. Yeah. Yeah. But it also, it makes it a lot clearer in the sense of, like, for the reader from this point on, like, not like, is it between Talia and Percy? Is it between, you were like, okay, you can just focus on Percy. I also do very strongly think someone else should have been lieutenant. (laughs) Like, she should have just joined as a normal, like, a normal hunter and moved up in the ranks. Uh, my last note is that I, so this is like 2008, so they're definitely dancing to Fall For You by Secondhand Serenade in the awkward middle school dance way. Oh my god. That song gives me visceral memories of being at middle school dances and being with like our group of girlfriends and that song would come on and all the like cool people who had significant others at the time would all like do the weird middle school dance and all of us would just like be in a circle slow dancing together because we didn't want to talk to boys oh god gross boys but also just like that song would come on i remember like i have this visceral memory where my school bus they would just play like (laughs) 
that special, like, that Kiss FM radio station. Yeah. And it was just, like, this song, and you're supposed to be vibing to it, like, at, like, 6 a.m. on your way to school in the morning. Yeah. It's just, like, are you kidding me? I just remember, like, having crushes on people and being, like, I hope they ask me to dance, but then actually at the dance, not talking, like, literally <laughs> being in our little group, huddling in the corner, not talking to anyone. Just, like, <laughs> avoiding icon. If they did talk to us, we'd run away. Yeah, and one uh. time in, like, eighth grade, a boy did ask me to dance, but I didn't like him, so I just was, like, no, and ran oh away. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good times. I don't miss that at all. Me neither. I'm glad Percy and Annabeth had a nice awkward middle school dance in Olympus. That sounds like a better alternative. Yeah. Well, they're like 15, almost 15. They're like 14. Yeah, they'll be 15 next year. In the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She will. I think she's older than him. No, she's a month older than him. She's (laughs) a cancer. I know that. She's a cancer. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Right? Mm. Crazy. I don't think Rick believes in astrology because his, his characters don't really fit their... Well, Percy kind of fits Leo, but the rest don't really fit their signs. Also, the fact that you have this character who's a water bender, essentially, and he's a, like, a Leo, which is, what, a fire earth sign? Fire. Fire. Fire sign? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wild. Wild. Mm. Wild. Wild. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chapter 20, the final chapter. I get a new enemy for Christmas. Percy makes a few essential calls before he leaves Olympus. The first call he makes is to Tyson to tell him about all of his adventures and and to give him an update that the shield Tyson had made for him the summer before had gotten damaged. And he says it in a very like, oh, I'm so sorry, Betty. But Tyson's not faced at all and tells Percy, that's great. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. It protected you and saved your life. And I have the entire summer off, so I'm going to come and be with you at camp and I'll fix it for you then. Percy then calls Sally, his second call, which is insane. That's so rude. She was <laughs> the one who dropped him off at the beginning of all of this. I know. She, he hasn't seen her since she dropped him off, and he's like, I guess I'll call my mom. It's all right, he did call her earlier in the book, but still, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, he did. I forgot about that. But while he's essentially waiting for his mom to pick up, like, he sees her at the kitchen table holding hands with Paul Blofist. And Sally kind of sees Percy shimmering behind Paul and tries to discreetly send Paul to the other room so she can chat with her son without scaring off her new boyfriend and being like, my son is the son of Poseidon. You'll literally never live up, sorry. (laughs) Percy fills his mom in and essentially gives his mom his blessing to be happy with Paul. He knows she sacrificed a lot for him in the years and she's just like had to deal with Gabe and just being like 
seeing her son have to fight. And Percy also starts thinking about being the child of the prophecy and the fact that, like, he wants his mom to be happy even if something does happen to him, which is very insightful and very sad at the same time. Very pure boy. Mm-hmm. It's the Friday before Christmas and the squad, which is Annabeth, Percy, and Grover, go back and trudge to camp. And Chiron greets them with hot chocolate, and they sit with some of the other senior campers. Grover then is like, peace, I have to tell everyone I've ever known about what I heard about Pan. Like, we have to have a discussion. (laughs) Goodbye. Clarice is there, and she looks rough, and she's been apparently on a mission. And she's like, hey, Chiron, like, we need to talk about the information that I found. But Chiron's like, no, 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 we'll discuss it later. Let's welcome Annabeth and Percy back first. Poor Clarice. I know. Clarice looks like she's been dragged face first through the dirt and Chiron's like, first hot chocolate. I'm also surprised that Chiron wasn't like, oh, congratulations on coming back. Let's have a chariot race. Same. Or like, (laughs) have time for capture the flag. (laughs) In the snow at night. Yeah. Uh, Annabeth essentially lovingly gazes at Percy when Chiron announces that Percy has saved her and he's like, he completed the mission successfully but the dumbest boy alive, for some goddamn reason, is like, but all I could think about when she looked at me was Rachel Elizabeth Dare. Jesus Christ. I was like, no, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Percy's like, when I have three times I've ever felt anything, Annabeth, Rachel Elizabeth Dare, and Luke. Yeah. (laughs) These are like, these are the three hot people in the world. (laughs) Percy also then discloses to the group that he knows Luke is alive. It was confirmed by his father. And Percy is then lightly irritated that Annabeth is really happy that Luke is alive. And she's basically asking him questions. And essentially saying, like, okay, so we have two more summers before Percy turns 16, before the prophecy happens. And instead of being like, oh, so that we could find a way to train Percy, it was like, so we can find a way to change Luke and bring him back to the good side. Which... I think it's funny for a couple of reasons. One, um, because Percy's really irritated, but it, he just found out his fatal flaw is like personal loyalty. So how can he expect Annabeth not to have her own personal loyalty to Luke? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, like last episode, you roasted me so hard. Like I was ready to go off on Annabeth, liking like still supporting Luke after all he's done and now I'm like sympathizing with her and I hate that you've done that to me so you're so welcome <laughs> Screw I listen I like listen back to that episode like yesterday because I'm getting ready to like post post it and was trying to remember what the lightning bolt questions are and I was cracking up at the point where you're roasting her and I just <laughs> It's like I hear, I hear, I hear you reflecting yourself back. <laughs> the cackling killed me. I was like, why is she laughing? <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, it is frustrating, but I had a lot more insight with Annabeth, I think, after that, because I stopped being like, well, she's stupid and she's clinging on to stupid hope and she's blind. How could anyone be that blind? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) it can happen to the best of us. (laughs) 
Chiron still hopes Percy is not the child of the prophecy, but predicts that Kronos' next attack will be on camp itself. He says, the gods use heroes as their tools. Destroy the tools and the gods will be crippled. Which you would think that Athena would have had foresight to an understanding of when she says, like, we should kill Percy. Yeah, like, that's a useful tool you're getting rid of, Athena. Also, that's, now your, that- that's your sledgehammer. And now that you've announced that you don't like him and you want to kill him and you constantly are like kind of cold and cruel to him, it's most likely that your tool is going to become a double-edged sword, you dumbass. Ooh, yeah. Anyway. Clarice seems to have information on what their attack plan may be, but before they can even dive into that, Nico runs into the room. He's super smiley, but obviously anxious and looks for his sister, which I was like, oh my god, how did they forget about him? But that's when Percy realizes that no one has told Nico that they were waiting for Percy to tell him. Which is like, why that. why does that fall? If okay, so <clears throat> if Artemis considers her hunters to be like her warriors, right? Her soldiers, isn't it her job, or at least you know, her newly appointed lieutenant's job to then go inform the family member like Nico, like, I'm so sorry that your sister has fallen. This is what happened, she died in combat etc etc why is it percy's like I, again talia made percy go talk to zoe when bianca died too and talia did not give three shits when bianca died but i'm like how does this emotional responsibility always fall to percy he's not smart all the time like this is not gonna go well <laughs> seriously it should have been i mean i guess maybe Talia's like uh i don't want to do that yeah. and just is like I'm not gonna do that. But Chiron? Chiron was just like, I I have decided not to be camp director and delegate this job to Percy. Chiron, um, is a crappy leader. <laughs> Chiron's like, hey, Nico, while they're playing Capture the Flag, your sister's dead. It's like written on the flag. <laughs> when he's like, oh, Nico, you won! It's like, what does it say? <laughs> Open the flag. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the only way Chiron knows how to deal with any feelings. He's like, I'm gonna do a game. <laughs> I feel that, to be honest. <laughs> Anytime he has to break bad news in the future, you're gonna be like, uh, capture the flag! <laughs> Finger guns. Yeah. Percy takes Nico on a walk and then tells him exactly what happened. Nico takes the news in silence and accuses Percy of promising to protect his sister. The main reason he even asked Percy to go on the quest in the first place and covered for Percy when Percy ran away. Nico obviously has a breakdown, blaming Percy and explaining that his nightmares had been correct and he should have never trusted Percy in the first place. You never get any more information about the nightmares. And Percy says what we were all thinking. He's like, I'm not even sure Bianca's dead. Like, we never found her body. But Nico She's knows. She's in trash. <laughs> we left her there. <laughs> Jesus. Like, Zoe got a constellation and Bianca's in trash. Yeah. I'd be mad too, Nico. <laughs> but Nico knows for sure that she's in the fields of Asphodel standing before the judges and Percy again not known for his brains is confused how Nico can possibly have this information (laughs) suddenly the skeletons that had been chasing Percy show up uh, which I was like how does it get how do they get in camp I'm very confused I don't think it ever is explained 
Because like, maybe Nico, maybe Nico did summon them. Yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out. Like if he summoned them, but then he's he starts freaking out. Nico thinks that Percy has brought them to attack Nico, and is like evil. And Percy tries to tell Nico to run away because the skeletons are essentially indestructible. Percy's um, like, I do water. I don't do skeletons. I know. Like, if I could do this power, do you know how much easier my quest would have been? Yeah. Um, but Nico's having a meltdown and is like, covering his ears and then screams, go away. And the ground essentially rips apart, flames erupt, and the skeletons are swallowed into the ground. Nico runs away, only leaving behind the action figure Bianca literally died for, but okay. A statue of Hades, and it clicks for Percy. Nico and Bianca are the children of Hades, the last god of the big three. Nice. We've been new, but thanks for catching up, Percy. (laughs) To be fair, though, when I first read this as, like, what, a 12-year-old, I was, like, my mind was blown. I didn't see it coming, yeah. I was really annoyed when I read this with Mike because, like, halfway through, he was like, are they the kids of Hades? And I was like, what? I don't (laughs) don't know. know. (laughs) Who's Hades? (laughs) I mean, he does make it pretty obvious, but it's, again, for eight-year-olds. Like, they wouldn't have always expected it. Some some big brain stuff. Exactly. Congratulations, Mike, on having a brain bigger than an eight-year-old. Stupid. Oh. (laughs) Percy, Grover, and Annabeth spend hours looking for Nico but cannot find him. Annabeth wants to tell Chiron, but Percy says no. Right now, no one knows Nico is the child of the big three. He doesn't think Hades even broke his oath because Nico's like roughly 70 years old or whatever because of the casino. Mm-hmm. But this news would definitely start fighting amongst the gods right when they need to be united against Kronos. Percy says he essentially chooses the prophecy to be about him because he can't put that level of responsibility onto a fragile 12-year-old like Nico, which I was like, take notes, Talia. (laughs) Talia's just like, peace. I know. She's like, good luck, Percy. I did my time. I was a tree. I don't want to do prophecy stuff anymore. (laughs) Percy says that he's going to give Luke so much hell that he wouldn't have time to focus on Nico and find out that Nico is a child of Hades. So they give some BS story to Chiron, who low-key doesn't believe them, but also Nico is not the first half-blood to have run away, so it's not wild. Chiron says that the next attack will be on camp, but it won't be until the summer at least, so he tells the squad the best thing they can do is go back to their homes and rest and try to live their normal lives. So so Percy's going to go back to the city, and Annabeth is going to go give her dad's house another shot. And also apparently keep an eye on Mount Tam but you know what is she gonna do if it explodes she's gonna be like calling Chiron and be like okay it's happening I guess yeah it's happening send your people (laughs) Annabeth is about to tell Percy something which I'm like I still don't know what it was but our boy Grover interrupts them looking like shit and saying he spoke Grover heard Pan's voice in his head saying I await you and that's how the fucking book ends, I guess. Nice. nice. Yeah, I nice. was like, I like got to that point and I was like, oh, really? I like expected, so I don't know what I had remembered, but I expected something different. Okay. I wonder, I don't know what Annabeth is going to say. Now I'm like, I just opened my book to that page. What was she going to say? Was she going to have a little uh, feelings confession moment? Like, uh, or she was going to say, like, thank you for saving me or like, hey, yeah. you should come visit me or so. I don't know, idea. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I started kind of diving into this concept because I was reading through it and I was like, okay, now I have my I sympathize with Annabeth cap on that you gave me. You're welcome. Um, mm-hmm. It was a gift. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> but because I have this cap on, um, reading through this chapter, there's like when Percy is like very adamantly being like, well, I choose to be the child of the prophecy. Annabeth loses her shit. Like she goes pale and she looks like she's very fatigued. And um, even when she's like, wait, we can change Luke's mind. We can make him good again. I was just like, why is she so annoying? But then I started thinking about it. Like, what if Annabeth wants to change Luke's mind? Because the alternative is she knows the full prophecy. And she knows that the boy she's high-key in love with and her best friend is the child of the prophecy. And she knows is going to die, essentially saving them all. And if she can find another solution, like making Luke good, she's going to give it her all. Yeah, I'd believe that. That seems like a big brain Annabeth move. Yeah. Especially because I think she can't tell Percy that they're like to get, like not together, sorry, that they're, that he's, his ending is going to be so tragic according to the prophecy. So she has to sit on this truth while she's like falling in love with him, I guess. Which I'm like, oh, sorry. And she's just trying to think of other ways to prevent the prophecy or change the outcome of the prophecy. Yeah. Which kind of goes into another point I have, which I generally, like, in the Heroes of Olympus, they kind of mentioned that Annabeth didn't immediately like Percy, and he, it wasn't like an immediate crush kind of thing, it was like a slow, gradual development, but I really think you see, like, after this book, like, maybe even in the middle of this book, she, like, really starts liking him in yeah. a romantic way. Mm-hmm. It's like before yeah. she had like a little bit of like, okay, he's annoying, but he's kind of like, what are these feelings, you know, kind of blooming up. And now she's like this boy, I love him. He's just so dumb all the fucking time. <laughs> and maybe, and that could be too why Athena is harder on Percy. Cause I mean, she's a god. I would guess she knows she can like kind of read minds. I don't know. Pick up <laughs> on the feels going on. Yeah. And that's why. And also cause it, it is more heavily hinted at in this book like even in the very beginning when they like dance together or they start to dance together um and annabeth is like ask me you stupid head like i think she likes him at that point yeah i think so (sighs) i also was wondering do you think that percy's decision is percy's decision to protect nico and essentially become the child of the prophecy an example of his fatal flaw Ooh. Like, it's gone so far. Like, Athena just explained his fatal flaw to him. He clearly did not digest and or understand it. And now he's just like, she said in moderation it's really good, and in extremes it's bad. So in extremes, it would be, for example, him going out of his way to become the child of the prophecy so that this kid that he really likes and is really fond of won't get preyed upon. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's like going to the self-sacrificing extreme. Ooh, I bet that is a good example of his fatal flaw. I, also, I always forget that Percy just straight up is like, I'm not going to let Nico be the child of the prophecy. Yeah, because I always wondered if they were going to make it a twist and be like, oh, Nico is the child of the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember thinking that as like a child reading these books. Mm-hmm. But then um, I forgot that Percy's just like, well, you know, at some, a lot of the parts of it you can kind of seize a prophecy for yourself and control bits of your destiny as long as you kind of accept that there is a destiny at the end of it 
And mm-hmm. so he just kind of plugs and chugs that equation and puts himself as a solution. Yeah. Well, those are my thoughts. Um, <sighs> Wonderful. I was also, like, really sad that, like, Percy fully forgot about Nico, and then it's his job know, to right? tell tell him about Bianca. I was like, you were clearly not the most adept for this. But no. th- that's the thing. He's like, nobody's better. It's just yeah. everyone is bad. That fully should have been an adult's job. Yeah. You know what? Artemis should have done it. Like, Bianca yeah. served for Artemis. Like, it, also, is there no, like... You know, because she's like a hunter for Artemis. Is there no like military funeral or anything? Like, like Zoe got such a send off. Why didn't Bianca? Now I'm getting mad about this again. Why didn't Bianca get like a? At least Artemis could at least come down and tell Nico. You know? Yeah, but she's busy fighting monsters apparently, or whatever. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I know she's doing like more than any of the other gods for this. But but... the bar is so low. Yeah. Also, like, gods can be in more than one place at once, pretty yeah. much. So, yeah. just go tell Nico. An adult should tell Nico. <gasps> Whew. Okay, well. <laughs> Are you ready to do the lightning bolt questions? Sure. Alrighty. Well, I have two, and then you have two, and then we can kind of talk about our overall thoughts on the book. Mm-hmm. So from this ch- these chapters, what kind of music would you hear at an Olympian party? Right now, me as myself and I, it mm-hmm. would be Dua Lipa's newest album. Okay, okay. Constantly, where it's like that 80s, like, kind of pop music where you're just jumping and just like having just such a good time. I, that's exactly what would be playing in my head. Everyone else would be here, like, Percy would be slow dancing with Annabeth, yeah. and I would just be like fist bumping in the back just like raging i love that it, it kind of sounds like one of those like silent disco parties where everyone <laughs> yeah. has different music yeah mm-hmm. yeah i would probably just have one of my weird playlists going that like has a weird mix of songs that i can sing dramatically like it it oscillates between like mad woman by taylor swift and then like Probably another Taylor Swift song. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia Rodrigo's new album would be on there. Oh, yeah. I'd have some, like, classic, I don't know. I don't listen to a lot of music besides Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we'll see. Whenever my next phase starts, then then I'll have more information. But that's what I would hear. I will say, so Aaron made us, uh, we have a road trip planned in the Mm -hmm. summer. So Aaron made us a playlist I, well, okay, I well, you it. made it. I yeah. took it a weird way, probably. <laughs> yeah, so I made it. I had I have a summer playlist, and so I added all those songs plus a couple of other songs. And she, like, I was listening to it in the car driving to work, and it's like, it starts off with, like, okay, Taylor Swift, and then, like, it changed to High School Musical, and I was like, okay. And then it was like, that song's like, I don't give a damn about my reputation, and then it changed to... So from the Shrek soundtrack. <laughs> It was the entire Shrek I don't give a damn about my reputation. That's, mm-hmm. okay, the Shrek's, maybe that's what I'd hear at an Olympian party. Mm-hmm. The Shrek soundtrack slaps. That's what, it's just like, I skipped songs and it was just like, Shrek soundtrack, soundtrack, Shrek, Shrek, Shrek. <laughs> that's like, I guess. It's a good soundtrack, okay? <laughs> it is, it's a very good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. 
Great, great. Um, my other question, I genuinely don't remember writing this, huh? <laughs> which, I don't know my answer. Which god would be the most intimidating to see in their giant form? Athena, I think. Mm. Or, or Hera. Yeah, I'm thinking Hera would be scary. Especially because she's, like, so, like, weirdly passive-aggressive. I was just like, you're so tall and large, but you're so passive-aggressive. Well, and she'd also, like, Hera is the one who'd be most likely to just randomly hate you for a really stupid thing Mm -hmm. and never forgive you. (laughs) Like, she'd be the one to have a grudge. Like, I could have, like, accidentally said something bad about her and she would, like, forever hate me. Just and that's scary. Awful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the guy gods are like intimidating, but like they kind of the way they're dressed. Way. It, they kind of sound stupid. Like the way they're <laughs> dressed, they're all wearing like dumb suits, and then Poseidon's wearing his dumb fisherman outfit. They all just sound like weird dads. It's just so funny because it sounds like you never just you just didn't get the memo. Like everyone showed up <clears throat> dressed up well, however the hell they wanted. Feels yeah. like the women, at least, like they coordinated. It's like they're different levels of or colors or styles, but like same, same level of dressed up. And the men are just like, I, I, I came here from work. Yeah, they look like they just got off of like their then their meeting and their high rise building. <laughs> Stupid. Or like their fishing boat, or like you know from being yeah. on fire. I guess. <laughs> oh yes, my job on fire. <laughs> All right, mine's is taking your, the same idea, like taking your job, hobbies, and general personality into account. What do you think your stupid, like, godly uniform, like, you mm-hmm. are at the council meeting, like, you just got off of work, or you just got off of doing whatever? Oh, God. So, but all the women get to wear, like, dresses. Yeah. I'd want to I'd, I'd look nice, you know, if I'm sitting next to Aphrodite, I want to look true. nice. <laughs> Like, I'd want to have a nice dress, but I also, what, what are my hobbies, job, general personality, what <laughs> is that? I've never heard of it. For someone who takes so many personality quizzes, you'd think you'd know. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I can only describe myself with other fictional characters. <laughs> and my per- and results of personality quizzes. If you took that all away from me, I don't know. A dolphin <laughs> reading a book. <laughs> that's, what I that's my constellation. Just kidding. I gotta think. Wait, what's your answer? Well, mine's would be very boring because I would just take my job and put that. So I'd be wearing like a lab coat and my glasses and like holding a computer and just look like so nerdy. It'd be, be like super nerdy gods. I know. It'd be so crazy. Like in my head, we're jocks. So this is really hurting my self image. Excuse, wait, excuse me. In your head, we're jocks? We are. Oh. I'm uh, oh, sorry. <clears throat> In my head, I'm a jock. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I'm an athlete, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting <laughs> revelation. Please <laughs> tell me more about that. <laughs> How does I'm it make ig- you feel? <laughs> I'm ignoring my entire childhood. Well, the things we- that I like. And my job and the things that I study in school. So it's just my essence is like, you know. A jock? A jock. <laughs> yeah, from when we played a varsity badminton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if you're taking, if this is like what I wear to work, well, I'm working from home. But what I did wear to work, you know, I'd be wearing a, 
pants that are loose but look nice <laughs> and a button-up shirt my glasses I'd have my bullet journal like I'd be a really lame god <laughs> oh and Poseidon dressed up as like a true. dad is not lame true hopefully he's wearing like spicy shorts they're a little bit tighter mm-hmm. and like a crop but you know like he has his like Hawaiian shirt open but you know that's not true he's probably wearing like a bucket hat He's he's fully dressed like a like a a fifty year old white dad in Hawaii. Ugh. When they're like when they buy the Hawaiian shirt and they're like, I'm on vacation <laughs> and you just are like help. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last question is we have several mountains on the in the Pacific Northwest. Which one do you think is most likely to house a monster? Or like be the like Mount Tam where it's has the ruins mm. of the Titan Fortress. And um in the fourth book isn't Mount St. Helens uh where what's his face? Where Typhon's from? Oh you're totally right. Yeah. 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 So Mount St. Helens, I guess. But yeah. other than that, Mount Rainier is a yeah. scary bitch. That one when she explodes it's gonna be a rough one. I feel like every white Pacific Northwest dad has at one point told you, been like, oh, we're due for a big one. You know, that one's supposed oh, yes. to have exploded yes. 50 years ago. When there was an earthquake that happened, like, it was, like, not that... Anyone who lives in California was probably gonna want to, like, punch me in the face. It was, like, mm-hmm. a 4.5. It was not bad. But I got very into earthquakes after... I had... I, I like, hyperfixated a bit on earthquakes. I downloaded an earthquake app. I was tracking it, and I was, like, very ready for the earthquake. Because I was mm-hmm. like, this is just the pre-earthquake. Where's the big one? But it didn't happen. And, I mean, I guess that's good. Mm-hmm. But I was ready at that time. Like, if it happened now, I wouldn't be ready anymore. So. Well, that's, I mean, at that point, I feel like I'm emotionally ready for it. So it's like, whatever, might as well happen. Yeah. Wait, which mountain do you say? Well, I was going to say, like, it'd be kind of funny to have it be, like, Mount Adams. Because I just spent, like, an hour with my parents the other day being like, where is Mount Adams? (laughs) I, I genuinely don't know where that is either, so. Because there was, there was, like, something that was, like, oh, it's happening near Mount Adams. And I was, like, my mom's, like, is that in Oregon or Washington? And I was, like, I think it's, I think it's Washington. But I'm not, I'm not, it's just very Googleable. but we were just debating it for hours. And I was, like, well, Mount <laughs> Adams is famous because you can see Mount Rainier and Mount St. Helens oh. from it. And it's supposed to be very pretty in that way. Huh. But other than that, like, it's just an, a mountain used to look at other mountains. Like, it's very... That would be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's actually evil. It's been resentful of the other mountains for a while. Or, you know what would be the best? There's mm. that... Do you remember... We learned this in a trivia game we played way back in high school. We used to play those jackbox... I mean, we still play those. But when we played it in high school, there's apparently a mountain in eastern Washington called... It's called Whiskey Dick. Oh, yeah! We hyperfixated on that one, too. And we were all just like, we need to go. But it's like not... It's like a hill. It's a hill. That should be where the gods are. (laughs) On with... The gods or the titans? I don't care. All of them. <laughs> They're all, They're all whiskey on whiskey dick. dick. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, um, what are your overall thoughts on this book? I love this book. Um, it has such a different vibe than all other four books, five books. Because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. in the winter. It's tragic randomly. 
Um, it's the beginning of being like, oh, Luke is like a super villain. Like, Kronos is actually a big deal. And um, setting up prophecy. Also, like, I am just like the biggest. I mean, it'd be crazy if you're not like Persabeth, Perkabeth stan. So, like, the fact that this is like all coming together from these next two books. I just, like, I'm happy this book is over because the next two books, I'm going to be, like, each episode is going to be, like, three hours long. I'm going to have a lot to say about every single book every yeah. single chapter. A lot happens in the next two. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm just, like, more emotionally attached to the next, like, from this point on. Because I didn't love Sea of Monsters very much. And the mm-hmm. first book is the first book, like... It's good and it's classic, but like, yeah, this book is so good, and then it just gets better from here. So I'm just happy. Like I'm happy it's over, and I like enjoyed it while it's happening. But I, I do, I will miss Talia. I do think yeah. you're correct that that dynamic is really missed in the next two books. It is, but yeah, I agree. I think I enjoyed this book more this time than I did the other times I've read it. I feel like, you know, with some analysis added, I enjoy it more. I think it was my least favorite of the five, but I don't think so anymore. So, that's exciting. I, I can't believe that you think Sea of Monsters is better than this book. No, I don't think I think that anymore. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, glad, that you've, I'm glad that you've come to your senses. I'm a new woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've moved on. Well, our next episode is... Um, our bonus lightning episode before we jump into the fourth book, Aaron's favorite book. Yes. And we are going to, so the next, next week, the lightning bolt episode will come out where we answer the questions y'all have submitted. And then the week after that is the 4th of July and we are both out of town. So we will not get an episode that week. So you will have to catch up on our other episodes and then we will start book four. Yay. And don't forget, in the meanwhile, to follow us on social media. We're on all platforms, at Camp Half Pod. And if you have any, you know, long-form questions, you are welcome to email us, camphalfpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to us on your podcasting platforms. All right. Bye. Bye.